Life is Creatives podcast. I am your host, Alex, and this is the first ever legit episode of the podcast. I'm so excited. I have my first wonderful guest, Caleb Roche, with me, and he is the owner of C. Roche Consulting. So it's great to have you on. I'm so excited. Um, And Caleb is the perfect first guest because without him asking me to do a virtual coffee chat, I would have never been inspired to start the podcast. So full credits to you. So so when you monetize this, do I get like a bunch of money from that? Well, thanks for having me on. I'm I'm so excited. I feel like uh I feel like a virtual coffee was so much fun that it's gonna be like another virtual coffee without yeah. the coffee. Oh, I have my coffee. You don't have your oh, coffee. Oh yeah, okay. I have my coffee next <laughs> so I think we're good. So it, maybe this should just be like a virtual coffee for everyone else then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is, well, that's kind of the point. Like I kind of wanted this podcast to kind of be like the, I guess, second virtual coffee I have, even though Caleb and I talk like on a regular basis. <laughs> so Caleb and I, we should, I guess we should just briefly say how we met. So we were actually TikTok friends and I kind of forgot about that until you reminded me last night. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you're um you posted the video uh when was it like three, four weeks ago about like the whole LinkedIn group that you wanted to create about like creators and so I was like, I better comment on this. So I think I like commented on it, liked it, and then I think I like found another video that you had posted your LinkedIn profile. So I like connected with you and found your group. And then I felt like within like five minutes, like we had like connected and joined the group. And then what was it like a couple days later that like we started kind of talking and having like a virtual coffee and then it mm-hmm. went from there. Yeah. Yeah. So we were kind of like TikTok friends and kind of just like, you know, commenting back and forth, like very light interaction. But the LinkedIn group was really where it took off because I first, before you reminded me that I was like, I don't even remember how we really connected. And I was like, was he just in the LinkedIn group? And that's how it started. I was like, I feel like that's not right though. And then you reminded me. So for anyone who doesn't know, I have a LinkedIn group for social media managers and content creators um, because I just wanted to create a space that we could all chat without having to worry about getting like pitched on any sales or anything like that. And um, Caleb helps me manage that group. So through that, we've just ended up chatting a lot. Um, and well, yeah. and we do have a course that we're developing. It's only like $300,000. <laughs> so uh do you want to talk about that a little bit (laughs) full disclaimer there's no course there is no course don't leave the don't leave the linkedin group please no (laughs) no yeah don't leave the group um we always laugh because i we just like never want people to think that when we ask to like connect or have a virtual coffee or anything that we're trying to sell anything because it always starts that way where it seems like this really good casual hitting it off interaction and you get super excited to meet another person in the space and then like within a matter of minutes or messages it's the sales pitch and then it's like no well and like that's that's something that we've always talked about I always find it funny I think you know there's like that weird you know we like you message someone like even when I messaged you you like don't know how someone's going to take it because we've had this conversation so many times. It's like, is someone going to take this as like, I'm trying to flirt with you? Is this yeah. I'm trying to pitch you? Is yeah. this I'm trying to like, like you have no, like, I feel like a lot of people don't have a lot of good intentions behind it. Mm-hmm. And so it's always hard when you like have good intentions, but you don't want to come across as not having good intentions. So you're like, mm-hmm. how do I word this message without yeah. sounding like super weird? But yeah, it's hard to not sound like super awkward because you're like, 
you don't want them to take it the wrong way, but then you don't want to be super, like, stone cold and, like, just very, like, off-putting negative energy. (laughs) But uh, straight up, I think the thing that really made me, like, super excited to connect with you was, like, right off the bat, he was like, just so you know, I just really am excited to have a virtual coffee with somebody who's not going to, like, sell me something. And I literally remember, like, physically sitting back in my chair and being like, thank God. Thank <laughs> God. I was like, I'm so happy. And, I and, then, didn't... I, and then I pitched you. I, I didn't want to be pitched, but I pitched you, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I was like, wait, when did that no, happen? Yeah, you're like, you're like, uh, you're like, yeah, I was so, super excited not to have a virtual coffee that I got pitched at, but I wanted to pitch you. So it worked out really well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was just so excited. I was so happy. And I didn't even like think of it as like, oh, he's trying to sell something. Cause at this point, I was just kind of getting back into LinkedIn and I hadn't really been on LinkedIn for a while. So I didn't really know that people would use virtual coffee chats as like a underlying like secret sales pitch. So now obviously I've been on LinkedIn a lot longer now so I've learned that that can come the wrong way but so if anybody is connecting with me or Caleb and we ask you to do virtual coffee just now it is not a sales pitch what I think it's really sad that like that's the state of LinkedIn for creators right now because it it seems like anytime someone sends me a connection request like I don't know it felt like maybe two years ago you'd just accept any connection request that you had and now it's like when you look at them and they say you know, I help founders build better businesses or like I, I, I can help you scale to six figures. Like 99% of those people, you can expect a pitch within, let's say five minutes for being connected because it's like on an auto. Mm -hmm. uh, And so it's just fascinating how LinkedIn has turned into like the sales. It's a great platform still, but it's interesting to see how it's turned into like a sales platform for creatives at the same time. Yeah. And other creatives selling other, like it's so weird seeing other creatives selling other creatives. Yeah, I agree. I get that. I started accepting a bunch of connection requests when I first started to get traction on the platform. And then that's whenever I texted you because I was like, hey, do you accept all your connection requests? Because I kind of put mine as a creative profile so that people could follow me and I didn't have to connect with everybody. And you were like, oh yeah, I kind of connect with a good bit and stuff. But then you kind of told me the same thing where you're like, not somebody I think is going to sell me because I realized like I started just getting an influx and I still am of so many people that I can tell that they just want to like sell me on something. And I'm like, you don't need to like send me a connection request to like do that. Like you could just follow me and connect with me. I don't know. But either way, I'm not here for it. So Do you have any, I guess, like from your opinion, what's a, the type of bio or I guess profile appearance that seems more like inviting and genuine to you? So it's probably going to shoot myself on the foot because I think I have kind of like a, I don't have a bio like this, but it (laughs) could be taken this way. So maybe I'm just an idiot, but uh, I think mine is like, I help businesses build better marketing strategies and I should probably take that off because it probably sounds spammy. But uh, <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, thanks for making you're me go through like, like now I'm going to have to, else. yeah, by the time this podcast episode's out, I'm going to take my bio. It's not going to have anything in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I do think I, I've seen so many, and again, it's not a dig on anyone, but I've seen so many where it's like, I help, you know, X build a six or seven figure business, or I help creatives find time back in the day like 
90% of the connection requests I've gotten recently have been, hey, Caleb, I'm a marketing consultant coach that helps marketing consultants build, you know, more time into their calendar. Mm-hmm. And while I really appreciate like them, you know, being out in the marketplace and selling anytime that I do get a connection request and it's like the bio has something along the lines of I help people, you know, generate more money or I can help you scale or it just seems so disgenuine because at the end of the day, like I know I fit within their target, especially if it's like I help marketing agencies or marketing strategists or marketing consultants build something. And at the end of the day, it's, you know, that the only reason that they're connecting with you is because they want to pitch you because typically most of them don't even have shared connections. Most of them. Well, it's, it's because it's one thing, like I fully respect wanting to, I guess, like pitch what you're doing to people. But like when you do it, as soon as you connect with someone, it's like, come on, like you didn't even try to like get to know me and see if I even need your service. You're just assuming and like asking. <laughs> and it's like, I, I might like, you know, one day I'm going to need to have a cons- uh, consult- consultant. Oh my gosh a assistant or a manager or whatever it is and it's like i'd be happy to like chat with like a business coach or a manager or an assistant but whenever you immediately just like cold pitch in my dm before you even talk to me it's like i feel like you're not really about me or about money well and it we had this conversation like on linkedin i made a post because i was finally tired of people telling me that they could like help me without even knowing my business yeah. And so I, I, I really appreciate a lot of people have forecasted needs and they know their pain points. But when someone gets in a conversation with me, and I'm sure this you're the same way, it's like, hey, I can help you add 10 hours back to your day. And for me, I have an assistant. I have I, I try to time block as best as possible. I'm not the best at it by any means. I'm terrible at my time. But I understand what I need to do to get things done. It's more of a mental block for me. And mm-hmm. so... I don't really want to pay someone to get me over that mental block because at the end of the day, I know it's just a mental block for me. Yeah. And so if I'm, I'm, I got so frustrated with people messaging me and telling me that they could optimize my life without even knowing, you know, my life, like maybe I make $5 per day or maybe I make a million dollars per day and no yeah. one knows that. And so when you come in and say, I can help you scale to six figures, maybe I've already hit six figures or <laughs> I can help you like, I just, it, it feels so, so like there's no offer there until you actually understand my pain points. You know, maybe right. if you start a message and it's like, well, what are you at revenue wise? And what's your biggest pain points? And in that conversation, you could actually learn like, oh, well, you don't have enough time. Maybe we, maybe we need to find a way that like you can be a little bit better at time blocking and here's how you can make eight figures or three figures. But right. at the end of the day, like it, it just does not feel like you're not you know, business and sales is all connecting with people and making it personal. And so I had a conversation on LinkedIn with, with, with a recruiter because he like fired back at me after my rant. And I think <laughs> there's a big difference between like a recruiter sending messages on LinkedIn and like an actual salesperson. Because yeah. at the end of the day, like the recruiter is bringing in some sort of value. You know, I have some sort of offer for you that's going to better your life or process. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't, you don't have to respond. But there's like a guaranteed like, hey, this company wants, you know, marketers or they want a UDC creator and they're paying X. It's not just like, well, they could probably pay X, but I'm not for sure yet. Like we have like that's how that's that's the big difference. So it's really fascinating to see on LinkedIn. Yeah, I agree. There's like we should honestly do like a whole 
episode (laughs) to just LinkedIn because there's so much we could talk about. Um, But before we keep going, I guess, any further, tell the people who you are. Like, where are you from? Who are you? What is my your whole business? life story? You want to hear yeah. about all my sad, all my sad stories? And um, <laughs> th- is this is this a counseling session? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. So uh, I grew up. I grew up kind of weird. Like I was, my parents were military, so uh, I grew up in both Enid, Oklahoma, and Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Which obviously we grew up pretty close to each other. Yeah. Um, but I like spent six, ten years of my life in Pennsylvania. But I was actually born in Enid, and then ten years later we moved back to Enid. So whenever people ask me like where I'm from, I never know what to say because I grew up in yeah. Pennsylvania, but I was born in Enid. And so really strange, but yeah. I was born in Enid, moved to Pennsylvania, loved it there, wish I could go back and then moved to Oklahoma. Um, I don't know if you've been to Oklahoma before, but Mm-mm. no dig on Oklahoma, but it is a very interesting place. There's not much to do here. <laughs> um, I love it here. I love it here. I would never change it, but um you know, Pennsylvania, like the, the trees and everything. So yeah. moved here, went to college, um, met my, met my wife in fifth grade. And then, uh, we reconnected back in college. And so we got, went to college, got married, had a kid, um, got my master's degree from a local university here. Um, and then basically I, I started working for a company called inspire brands. They own Jimmy John's Buffalo wild wings, Sonic, um, Dunkin' Donuts now, Arby's. I always forget which ones I say and which ones I don't. So I'll stop there before, <laughs> I, like, before I say like three of the same again. But my role there was Product Insights. And so we would go across to different markets. Their culinary team would have like a new concept, like let's say the Sour Patch Kids slush at Sonic. Um, they would come to us and say, we've developed this product. We feel like it's ready for market. And we would go into taste tests and find, you know, a certain amount of people within a certain amount of certain demographic and go test and see what people thought about that Sour Patch Kids slush. So we would look at how sour is it? Does the Sour Patch Kids go with the slush? Is there like cream in there? Does the cream go well? How well, you know, how well this will this perform in the actual market? And then we would take that and present it back to the teams, you know, talk with them to see whether we could launch it or not. So I started doing that for about two years. And at that point, like COVID is so before COVID hit, this is like six months before COVID hit, my son Elliot was born and I was traveling like two to three days a week, it felt like. And so like with a newborn, you know, you're exhausted, you know, like you don't know what you're doing, especially with your first kid. And so I would be traveling, I'd come home. Hadley, my wife is exhausted. I'm exhausted from traveling, but like I haven't had a baby with me. So I need to be like a good dad and like actually take care of him when I'm there. And so it was a really hard time because, you know, I'm traveling. I get back. I see Elliot. He really doesn't know me. Like it doesn't feel like he knows me. And so we do like six months of this and it's just really not my favorite thing. Like very grateful for the job, really grateful for the opportunities, really grateful for the pay. But at the end of the day, like my family life, I just didn't feel like I was connected because I was always gone. And then when I come back, like I just didn't feel like I could connect. Well, I remember in I think was it like March when COVID hit March of 2020, Mm -hmm. something around there. Yeah, I remember like sitting there and I was actually flying back from New Jersey the day before they shut down New York from COVID. Mm, And so I like remember flying back. And getting to the office, like we would, we flew back early, so we went to the office, and I was like, 
I'm concerned because we're out of toilet paper. And that was when everyone was like getting toilet paper and yeah. all the stuff. So like I left work early. I remember this. I, I left work early. I was like, I'm going to leave early, go get toilet paper, work later. And I never went back into the office for like six months to a year. It felt like, I mean, I, I went in a couple of times, but that was when we started officially working from home. And so when I worked from home, I was like, this is amazing because I get to like hang out with my family. I don't have to go into an office, spend two hours driving back and forth there and back. And it was just such a nice, refreshing like way of doing things that, you know, I'd kind of started a side business on the side in 2018. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, I can actually literally do my full-time job and my side job after. And I'm not looking at like 12 hours at this point, you know, I'm only yeah. doing eight hours. And then after that, I can log off and actually do my work. And so at that point, I'm like, I really like this. So I talked to Hadley. I was like, okay, so how do you feel if I start making more money than my job at some point? It could be 10 years. It could be two months, whatever it looks like. What if we like, what if we did this full time? And so she was like, well, let's replace like our income, um, you know, and let's make sure we're good about it, but let's, let's look at it. And so in December of 2020, I went to her and I was like, Hey, we have made more than we make full time, you know, for the past three months are you okay if we do this? And she was like, yep, let's do it. So January, I put in my two weeks and I went full-time marketing consulting and have not looked back yet. Now, are we are we going to be bankrupt in five years? We could be. <laughs> or are we going to be like a huge company? We could be too. So the jury's still out whether we're, um, we're close to successful or not. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. I love that like you even brought that conversation to her as well because I feel like so many people kind of see that as like a one person decision which while it is it's like so respectful and like cool and shows a lot about your character that you were like chatting with her and kind of making that decision together rather than just like my business is taking off I know what's best and we're gonna do this not that there's anything wrong with that but I think that's just super cool oh yeah because I mean it's it's one of those things because she's a stay-at-home mom and like I've never wanted to downplay what that looks like, like we, we play a very active role, like both of us share the load. And so it's like when, when both of you share the load, no matter what job you're in or how much the one other one person makes, one person doesn't or whatever that looks like, like it's a, it's an equal partnership. And so like the decisions that I make affect her, no matter if I think they do or not. And so it's always been a kind of a goal of ours to like, make sure we're on the same page because it makes it a lot harder if you're trying to start something and don't have the buy-in from your significant other. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that. So kind of on the like same topic. So I guess as everybody could hear, you're a CEO, you're a husband, you're a dad, CEO. all the things. Uh, there you go. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you like balance everything? I mean, you kind of started to get into that, but like what do your days and weeks kind of like an outline of that look like? Gosh, they are so different. Like I wish... I don't know. So let me ask this question. Like, do you feel like you see so much about how everyone else is organized and how they time block so efficiently <laughs> and they do like every five minutes, they, they like start something new and like, do you feel like you see that all the time? Yeah. Yeah. And like, is it kind of disappointing when you're not good at it? Yeah. And like, that's yeah. kind of why I started this podcast because I feel like there's just a really large uh amount of people that kind of show like the pretty organized version of the day and don't show like the bts and i think that we're all getting better at it 
but I think that this podcast is hopefully like another step closer like my I guess way of sharing with people that yeah we all like we're doing things we're business owners we're successful we're doing all the things but like it doesn't always look beautiful and it doesn't always go seamlessly so yeah I agree with you okay good because I'm not the only one then because I feel like (laughs) I'm the only one most of the time so back to like what my day looks like honestly my week looks so different every week like I've 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 tried structuring you know I've tried like a every morning at 6 a.m I start my more my morning routine and then I get so frustrated because maybe I I sleep into like 605 or 610 (laughs) or like I didn't fall asleep at the time like Elliot stayed up a little bit later so for me like I needed the extra hour and then I'm like I'm a failure because I missed my morning routine and I time blocked my day so I like started the day off so what I've started doing is recognizing that I'm I'm like a human that needs like flexibility and so sometimes like Elliot will go to bed early sometimes you know we'll go to bed late like whatever it looks like I need my schedule to adapt what that is and so unless it's like a sales meeting or something essential, I typically try not to schedule anything before like 8am to give myself that flexibility. So that if I wake up at 6am, I can do an hour morning routine, get ready, you know, get going for the day, get my coffee, and not feel pressured. And then, you know, start my day and like, feel like I've accomplished a little bit, or if that looks like seven o'clock. So on like a morning routine standpoint, I try to make sure that I give myself like at least 30 minutes to an hour to really start the day. And like, you know, kind of focus on like, read a book or, you know, like kind of get two cups of coffee in as bad as that sounds, or, (laughs) you know, like little things like that, that I can at least like have a little bit of, of my day done without feeling like I'm just jumping right into business. I used to do that, like wake up and literally walk up to my computer, start my coffee. And then it was terrible. Like I hated it. So my day looks like that. And then from there, it's basically a crapshoot of either like, it'll be a super busy day of meetings you know, like what you were talking, like Tuesday, I drove down to like, you know, Branson to go meet with some people. And I, I actually, that was Monday. And I literally decided on Friday or Saturday that I was going to drive to Branson, which is like five hours, go there for a couple hours, meet with some people and then drive back five hours. And so I just canceled my day, moved things back and then did that. So as terrible as I am at time blocking and as probably unstructured as I am, I have two things that I'm like really grateful for. Like I have more than that, but two (laughs) things that I I won't bore you all. But um, (laughs) one of the things that I'm really grateful for is flexibility. One of the things that I've learned is like having grace for flexibility. So, you know, as you know, like two weeks ago, my grandpa passed away. And so there was a lot of family going in. And for me, I've really, I've, this is the first year that I've had an actual team in place. So before this, I was always the one doing things on my own. I was always the one on vacation answering emails no matter what. And so this is the first year that I have a team. And so I wanted to go in early, go see some family, spend some some valuable time. And so I just decided to go. And I was like, if if everything burns down, it burns down. But I have full trust in my team. And it was like the easiest week that I've had. Like I literally worked maybe two hours that week. And it felt so nice to have the entire team to take care of things. And they did such a fantastic job that I'm learning that like, I don't have to put as much pressure as I do on myself because I know I have people that take care of, you know, the business while I'm out. Um, while I can't fully unplug, which I don't think I'll ever be able to unplug on vacations or on family times. Like I can actually like pull myself out and not be in front of my laptop the entire time. And so one of the things I've learned is like, 
flexibility is so huge and being able to take like a week away, it's just, it's so refreshing and it leaves you like want to do more on your business once you leave. But it's a really hard concept to, to grasp because it's like you feel like if you leave, you're not going to, you're going to like be so behind. And I mean, I was behind, but it was so worth it. So on that piece, and then one of the the other moves I've made that I've been really grateful for is I hired an assistant, like I mentioned, and that has been so huge because as as petty or as like crazy as it sounds to have an assistant, like we're not anything crazy as a business. And so it it felt really strange for me to hire an assistant because I'm like, I'm really not that busy for an assistant. Like if I was traveling three days a week and needed someone to like coordinate my calendar like, you know, while I'm traveling and book travel and like, I just can't do it because I don't have any time. But at the end of the day, like when I actually made the move, it was so nice because I have someone that I joke, make the joke. I think I told you this. She knows me better than I know myself. Mm-hmm. And so she can like, and she's a, she's a friend of ours, which makes it even better. And so she can literally tell me, like we had a conversation last night and I was like, well, should I go to Denver to go meet with a client? And should I go like fly in the morning, fly in the even, fly back in the evening, basically come back in one day? And she was like, I'm not going to allow you to do that. And I'm like, why? And she's like, because we're literally the same person and you need to take a break. Just literally stay in and fly back the next morning. And so it's nice to have at least like at the, on one piece, like someone that manages your calendar and acts as a gatekeeper and really like protects your schedule and keeps you on focus. Make sure you're organized. Don't miss any meetings. But the, the other side of it, too, is having someone that can go in there and say, like, I know how you're feeling. Don't push yourself too hard. Because yeah. at the end of the day, it's like one of those things that as creatives, I think we're really terrible at is <laughs> finding the time to like actually have balance or have time for ourselves. And yeah. like we really need the break sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's hard because a lot of people, especially whenever you're new and kind of just starting out um, or in your first couple years, we genuinely enjoy and love what we do. Like it's like something fun for us. So it's like, well, if I'm having fun, why wouldn't I do it? But it's like creatives, you use a lot of brain power. You are um, doing solo projects a lot of the time. You're in your house on your computer a lot of the time or doing content or screen time all the time. And it's like, you don't realize like, how honestly like detrimental those things can be to your just well-being but unless you have somebody sometimes be like hey <laughs> take a break <laughs> yeah. it's really it's really fascinating like i think you've seen this from talks with creators too we're terrible at taking breaks because oh yeah when we get down to it i think you said it so perfectly like no matter how much we make like how many hours we're working we literally love what we do so much that it's worth whatever we have to go through to get mm-hmm. to that point. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, I think something that's been helping me this last month-ish, I would say, because I recently started doing time blocking as well. Um, my boss actually was saying in a TikTok that we made for the agency, <laughs> she said, make sure that you schedule in your breaks into the day. Because if you don't, it is so easy to just be like, oh, I don't need to take one. Or like, oh, I don't need one today. And then it's been a week and you haven't taken a break. And like, I will notice that even sometimes when I do do that, like I'll have days where I'm just so busy and I feel like I have so much to do that I'm like, I, I don't have time to just like eat lunch for like 10 minutes without my phone like I don't have time to do that and then I realize three days later whenever it's like 
three o'clock I'm trying to finish my work day and I cannot concentrate I'm like oh wonder why because I haven't taken a break (laughs) in three days other than to sleep and it's like sleep is not a break like sleep is resting your body like you need a break like go outside put your phone down eat food without your phone and um I like what you were saying the first point you were saying about like grace and flexibility because I I feel like I've been finding the same thing where like I have been time blocking my work days and I even time blocked today and I didn't do it the right way the way that I not the right way but the way that I planned like I planned to have certain things filmed and ready to go before we even started and when I woke up this morning I went to bed late last night and I was like my body's tired like I'm tired and I need a little bit more rest physically rather than getting up to push myself and I will just adjust accordingly and not make this like schedule and time block control me and I think that everything that you said I don't need to repeat it is just very much the same page that I'm on where it's like you can do all these things like have a great schedule and time block and all of the things but like you don't have to like be so strict about it if you need to you're human being you need to be flexible and give yourself time to like adjust and I think that that is also a huge uh, trait of being a creator not even just with social media and platforms changing or just marketing and business changing but also just on the human side of like you really have to be able to adapt and I think that's one of the coolest things about anybody in the creative industry is it's like we're all very adaptable like as human beings but also is like okay I need to change xyz and I need to figure out a plan and strategy to do it because but it's also like we love to do it oh yeah and it's it's one of those things too on the flexibility side that we have kind of the saying within like kind of our agency and I'm sure you guys have somewhat of the same I'm I'm gonna knock on wood because I do feel like there are some emergencies and I yeah. don't want to like jinx myself. But we have this phrase that's like unless you've really messed up and not like done what you're supposed to do or you've posted something that you're not like is completely inappropriate, which is definitely hard to do. So we're gonna take that even out of the equation. There's really nothing that justifies as a true emergency that you have to drop everything. Granted, mm-hmm. there are. I don't want to like say that there aren't, but in the grand scheme of things, like if you're on vacation, it's easier to fix them a little bit later or be available to fix things right then. But it's not like important where I always have to be in front of my computer because I don't want to miss a client call. Like I have clients that call me, I'll answer if I, if I'm not busy or I'll text them back. Like there's nothing that justifies like I work 24 seven because I have to do X, which I think is a really important concept to grasp. Like there are emergencies and you have to service clients and make sure they feel like they're being communicated with. But at the end of the day, like there is nothing that justifies you just exhausting your body because you feel like you don't want to lose a client. Yeah. And now is that something that you find yourself kind of reminding not only yourself, but your team? Because I find that my boss who I would freaking love to have on this podcast she is amazing with like reassuring our team that like our work is important think you should be doing your job and be attentive to the things that we need to do but like if you're on vacation like unplug if it's after five o'clock unplug if it's the middle of the day and you feel like you just need a break 
go take a break. Like, it's fine. Like, it's not the end of the world. We're not brain surgeons. Like, you are allowed to, like, step away for a second. And I have found that that honestly changed me as a person because prior to working at this agency, I had a lot of self-struggles with just feeling like, I always have to be busy. I always have to be productive. I always have to be doing something 24-7 and I ha- I can't take a break. Like there's no excuse to take a break. You have to get your work done. And working with her has really helped me with like understanding that it's honestly more productive and healthy to take breaks than to not. So it, how do you, I guess, instill that in your team? It's really hard. I mean, we, I've, I I try to be super careful about it because it sounds like you've kind of been in the same position. I've been in positions where I've been like extremely overworked and mm-hmm. not I've I haven't felt valued. So it's like it's five thirty and you you get a message from your boss like, hey, where's this deck at? And we need it by tomorrow. So what you need to do whatever you need to do to get it done by then. And mm-hmm. so I've been super I've been trying to be super conscious of I hire my team for full time for full time employment. But at the end of the day, like they have a life, they have a family, whatever they, they have going on. So we offer two points of flexibility. Like if you, and it sounds like you guys have kind of the same structure. If you have a doctor's appointment at two o'clock PM, like we don't need you to say like, can I please, 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 please get off so I can go to my doctor. Like, I think, you know, it's so hard as an employer because time is valuable, but I don't think it's worth making someone miss in a doctor's appointment or have to reschedule. Like we all have life that we have to do. And so it's extremely important that we facilitate lives around that, especially work, because as important as work is like family and your health comes way above work. And so one of those pieces, like having that flexibility during the day. So we really stress that of like, please make sure you give us a little bit of notice. Please make sure you don't miss any like huge meetings. But if, if you are going to need to, let's move it because people can move meetings. And then on the other piece, it's like encouraging my team to take breaks, encouraging my team to reconnect. Like we try not to give out cell phones of our team members. I give my cell phone out. Sometimes my assistant does, but we try to protect our employees like personal space so that mm-hmm. they don't have to have clients like have to worry about clients calling or texting them after hours or emailing them. And so we really try to focus like on encouraging our team. And it sounds like you guys do the same thing of really disconnecting because at the end of the day, like if as as great as it is let's say like perfect example yesterday we 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 had a meeting and we give ourselves a 24 hour window for a proposal and so we could have sent it yesterday i could have stayed up a little bit later and sent it and maybe that would have been better i just threw more time on my calendar to, today to actually send it off and be able to do it at the best of my ability and do it like at a <laughs> normal time and so that's something that we're actively working on is like how do we encourage people to to disconnect from the work like make them know that they're not going to be fired if they weren't don't work after 6 p.m. Like all these things that has been so ingrained in everyone's mind. It's like, how do we eliminate that from them? Yeah. And now does your team work remotely or I know you're you have a home office. So like, are they there with you all the time? Like, what's your. No, we work remote. We've always been like try to be super lean on our on our overhead just because like we we try not to pass too many costs off to our clients and so we have we have remote working i have a little home office and i'm currently in you've seen it before on zoom mm-hmm. um <laughs> but we have like we have an extra desk that if someone needs like a, a a space to work they can 
But then we also try to do like co-working spaces or coffee shops or just like kind of change up your environment because I've seen it work so well for me and for my team. So we work remotely. We have spots, but we kind of just determine where we want to work from that day. And typically we all work from like different locations. And then we just try to do team calls maybe twice a week just to check in. And then we're so small that like we have a group text and we have like, so we'll text throughout the day, like, Hey, let's jump on a really quick call here at in 30 minutes. So we're so small that like we can do those things and not have to worry about as much structure. Yeah. And that's kind of how like my team at my agency is as well we're like smaller so it's easier for like if we're working on something together and we're like can we just hop on a call real quick and honestly I love that like I've I told you I think last night I've always been very attracted to just like the smaller um team I guess rather than like the big corporate world because I just love feeling like connected to everybody that I'm working with and just being able to be casual in that sense of like hey like let's just hop on a call real quick right now not like oh I'm gonna have to schedule that out in like three weeks (laughs) and we have to have this official run out the boardroom and all this stuff um and I'm really excited to hopefully do that for myself one day um so Okay, this is a question that I feel like I mentioned to you that I was going to ask you this last night so you could prepare. Um, So one of the bigger questions that I get asked a lot is like, what do people look for in social media managers? How can I become a social media manager? What's marketable to employers as a social media manager? So you were telling me that you probably within the next year, you're looking to hire a social media manager to your team. So obviously I think everybody knows social media changes like every day. (laughs) So what do you think you'll be looking for at that time? Or what are things that would be marketable to you as a social media management candidate? Have social media experience. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That's it. Have have fifteen to thirty years of experience in social media, and we pay ten dollars an hour. Have eight years of TikTok experience when the platform hasn't existed for. Oh my gosh! Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Thirty-five years of experience managing campaigns on social media. It's like social social media has not been around. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm actually looking for MySpace experience. So if you know anyone, um, you know. We're, we really are pushing our clients that way. I think it's going to be the new the new platform of the future. Um, just kidding. <laughs> For a second, you said that pretty serious. And I was like, wait, what? Is my face like, coming back? Why did I ask this question? Why did I ask this question? This guy knows nothing about social media. <laughs> no, like we've tried to take a very, very open approach to recruiting and hiring. Um, you know, it's been that balance. Like as an employer, I think there's always a, a tough balance between wanting experience, but then sometimes experience translates into like them being stuck in a routine um and when i say experience like maybe let's say like two to five years of experience versus someone that maybe has like one to three years mm-hmm. and so um one of those things that's really tough is you know what do you look for like on an experience level what do you look for from like a management standpoint honestly for me what i'm looking for is someone that can manage a client really well have those conversations like outside of the actual experience piece like i think the more experience that you can have, the better, obviously. Like if, if you want to take that, actually, if you want to take that quote out and put it on TikTok, that probably is going to go viral because 
the more experience no, you have it on yours yeah because yeah, yeah. i need to post yep i know yeah i know i'm a I'm a marketing strategist and don't even have a big TikTok presence. Uh, so, <laughs> so TikTok's funny though. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. So one of the things that like is is difficult is managing like, okay, how much experience does someone need? But I think one of the big things is the more experience that you can have managing different platforms or different industries. Like for us, we handle a variety of different industries. So one day we might be working on like, let's say a insurance agency. And then the next day we might be working on like a market research firm or we might be working on a real estate agent. So like we don't like I know you guys, you have a little bit more like in your role, you have more specialized like, you know, you stick to a certain piece. But for us, it's kind of like a variability, like some days you're doing you're learning about the mortgage world. And so you have to like be willing to learn new things and like mm -hmm. really dive in for that client. So on one piece, like I think it's really important to to have that like capabilities of being able to adapt. And, you know, let's say like, you don't know anything about the mortgage world, being able to jump in like the mortgage world, learn a couple of key concepts within a couple of days, like understand that some of the terms get on calls with clients, like be able to talk through it and like learn from them. So I think one of the things is it takes a lot of self-recognition that you don't know everything. Yeah. And with that being the case, like you want to learn, like we always, what we're looking for is we're looking for someone that wants to learn new things and that can teach us new things. So no matter if I have 30 years of experience and someone has five or vice versa, I feel like that person with 30 years of experience can still learn something from that five or two years of experience and vice versa. And so we're looking personally for like someone that is, that is open to like listening, open to researching, open to not being stuck in their ways. But at the same time, one of the things that I think is really important for like agency of, our, of, of the sizes that we work with is being able to handle and talk to a client extremely well. Like you don't have to be perfect, but within a small team, you kind of have to help manage the relationship for the client. And so you're not the primary stakeholder for like how long a client stays or how well, but it adds to their experience because the more mm -hmm. that we can walk while our clients and show them like this is an expert team that knows what they're doing and communicates that and makes them feel valued, the better it goes. And so we're looking for like, and I think a lot of small firms are looking for, and I think it's a really marketable skill, is someone that can have those conversations, keep a conversation with a client, understand boundaries, understand what to say, what not to say, and really learn like, how can we develop this relationship to where it's really fruitful? And with our clients, like we really take an extra step to understand what, what, how many kids they have? What are their favorite things to do? Like we, we've, we've taught our team to take subtle notes of different things that they mentioned. Do they like a certain baseball team? Do they like, and so when we're in situations, we can tailor an experience to what they like. Do they like yeah. a certain restaurant? Do they like a certain cuisine? So we know if we take them out to lunch, we can kind of have an idea of what they want to go to without even having to ask them. And so it, it just builds that relationship a little bit bigger because it's like, at the end of the day, they feel like you've really listened to them and know them really well. Mm -hmm. So all that to say, all that rambling to say, I think experience is obviously a really key piece, but being able to adapt and kind of learn different industries is huge. And I think being able to talk to clients extremely well, understand their pain points, understand who they are, understand how to communicate properly with them and take good notes and understand who they are. I think those are all really big keys for social media. And obviously that's, that's outside of the actual social media work. But from like an employer standpoint, I think that's that's things that people don't really look at. They just look at, oh, I've managed 35, um, 35 clients or like all that is great. 
But at the end of the day, like as long as you know how to do social media well and you understand the concept of it, you understand the, the research, all the back end settings. I think that the relationships piece is a lot more important than most people think. Well, it also makes the difference of you doing a better job than someone else because, you know, I've learned that as well throughout my job and other jobs that I've had um, with social media. You like your employer typically wants you to directly handle the social media communications with that client. So you need to know how to talk to them and not I feel like the mistake a lot of people make when they're new is like they're so careful and gentle and like tread lightly and it's like no this is still another human being like you can still talk to them like a normal human being and you also with the kind of around the same scope this is kind of like a one big mumble jumble ramble but um not only knowing how to like research and understand that client but also with the social media side if you're writing for them or creating content for them, you have to understand that for that aspect as well, because you have to write and take on their brand voice and take on their tone. And you have to make people believe that this is a real brand and that there's not, you don't want people to think that there's a social media person behind that because you want them to connect to that brand and their voice. And I think that, you know, anybody can write up, a social media caption anybody can make a tiktok or make a canva graphic but how can you make that stand out and i think a lot of it is with what you said about like really being able to do that client relations and like really being able to develop that relationship and talk to them and understand them because that not only helps you with everything that you already said but it also helps you with your job on social media so from your standpoint because with social media you can kind of give somebody a portfolio show them your work and they can see that you understand how to do that but with everything that you listed how can people demonstrate that to you if they were applying like was that something is there something they can put on their resume is there something that they can mention in their interview like how can they show to you that they would be able to do that i think you can see it in communications like leading up to an interview during an interview and after an interview like i think there's a lot of things that people can do that we kind of forget to do like even one of the things like i've i be fully transparent here i have slacked at this recently with proposals but something that we've tried to do within our agency when we send proposals or meet with people is we try to send them a thank you note like a handwritten yeah. thank you note that says like hey thanks so much for the time as as little as people do it like i think it really adds a lot of value and it really shows people that you care and so even like after an interview, like I was having a conversation with someone that has a large business and they even mentioned like one of, they were looking at hiring someone and they were just blown away because that person sent them a thank you note, like mm -hmm. for meeting with them and interviewing. So I think there's like different personal things that you can do that really can make you stand out in conversation. Like what can you learn about the other person and how can you communicate, like add that to your communication? So if you find out that I love golf, which Shocker, I know, but I love golf. If you find <laughs> out that I love golf and like you're interested, like I, I think there's a difference between being interested and like faking it. I'm not a big fan of like the faking side, but like if you're like, oh my gosh, I love to play golf too, you know, like little things like that that you can really find ways to relate to on another level and not just like, oh, I love to play golf. You love to play golf. Great. But like really going in that second, like next step and saying like, oh my gosh, what do you like to do? Or where do you like to play? Or what like ways that you can really find 
connection levels, I think is really huge for those conversations. And so I think it, it shows itself pretty apparent within two interviews, whether what the type of person they're like, you know, how they actually do things, how they communicate, how they handle themselves, you know, are they sitting in their chair, like really sloppy, or is it more of like, and some of those things, it, it just depends. But um, I, I just think there's so many social cues that you can learn from someone that can tell you a lot about their personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's a lot about just honestly just being a thoughtful person (laughs) and remembering those things like in the creative industry you don't always have to be like the stereotypical definition of professional but there are some things that really do make a difference so for example I was in charge of the hiring process for a social media intern for my agency and um, my boss wanted me to facilitate like the resumes, the first round interviews, and then she would come in at the second interview. And then I would make the decision, run it by her, would chat about it, make sure it was a good fit. And that was that. So this was my first time doing interviews really in like the nine to five world. Um, prior to that, it was a lot of like just college students in college. So like, not that it doesn't matter. It definitely helped. But this was, you know, my first real world thing. And I could not believe the lack of follow-up emails that never, they didn't come. Like (laughs) I got one from our current intern, which was awesome. Um, But, and I don't think you need to send it the second that you hang up. Like you don't need to be like on it that second, but within 24 to 48 hours, I would say. And I think I only received like maybe three and I interviewed like 20 people. (laughs) And I could not believe it. I was like, not that you owe me anything or have to suck up to me. I don't, I don't think that, but just like a, Hey, thank you for your consideration. Really appreciated your time. Um, Let me know what the next steps are, or if there's anything you need from me, because that really goes a long way. And it makes me think like, Oh, wow. They really did like appreciate that conversation. They're really interested in our company. They really want to take this a next step further. And they're just a kind person. Like they were thoughtful enough to not only take the time out of their day to do this interview and consider our company, but also take an extra two minutes to send me an email and just follow up about it. And it doesn't even have to be a perfect email. Like, I think a lot of times we get caught up in like the, the perfect little nitty gritty details when really it's like, it's, it is the thought that counts in my opinion. It it really is. And I think like at the end of the day, like I think being extremely vulnerable and not going too vulnerable, like in a job interview, like, yeah, this is what I'm dealing with, but I think it's, yeah, here's all my, uh, here's all my feelings. Can I cry to you actually? (laughs) But uh, maybe save that for after you get hired and then have like a conversation with your boss and then you can start crying. Um, (laughs) yeah, that's, that's what my recommendations are. Don't cry until after the interview, until you get hired and then you can cry all the time. Um, no, I, I really think though, like, I think you can find some creative ways to really show who you are and be just yourself and i think being vulnerable and being transparent and like having some sort of like the one thing that i've noticed recently with a lot of people is you know we've talked to me and you have talked about success what does success look like and to to everyone success looks something different to someone it might look like making a million dollars some might make like literally look like making fifty thousand dollars but they don't have to work more than 40 hours to some it might look like they want to make 
you know, a hundred thousand and be able to work 40 hours. So success is all over the board. Some people think that if you work with, you know, the second largest QSR brand and you've done X, like you're big time. Or some people think if you have a master's degree that you're a big time. But what I've learned over the years is no one really cares. And it's specific to that situation. So some people actually like look down on me because I have my master's degree, because it's like, well, why'd you go get your master's degree? Like, you don't mm -hmm. need that. You don't need that. But then sometimes we get in a corporate environment, like, wow, you have your master's degree. You must be so intelligent. And yeah. what I've learned is like everyone views success differently. And truly everyone, if we're being honest, everyone cares about themselves. That's it. You mm -hmm. know, there's all those moments where you're like, what do you think about me? Or what do I think about this? Like at the end of the day, all someone cares about is themselves and their image. And so it's really good to be humble in those conversations. That's something that like I've tried to, try to encapsulate as much as possible, even when I'm interviewing is like, or even when we're like interviewing with prospects, like being respectfully, like honest about what you do and how cool you are, how great you are. But at the end of the day, not going in aggressive and being like, well, I managed X for this and we did like such a great job. And I just know so much. Like there are so many <laughs> other ways that you can do it. Like, you know, we, we managed this campaign, performed really strong. There's a lot of learnings, but we did this because I've had so many people that come into interviews with me and they feel like they have to be so proud of what they do. And it's, it's really awesome to be proud of what you do, but they almost come in like they want me to like want to hire them and to like ooh and all over them. And like, you know, almost like, well, you should hire me. Like you would be stupid not to hire me. And those yeah. aren't the people that I want. Like I want people that value themselves and who they are, but I also don't want people to feel like they know more than anyone on our team. Like mm -hmm. our, our model has always been to like, I learn so much from my, the people that I work with every day that I don't know everything. And I never will. If I have 30 years of experience, like I hope that I will continue learning from my team and not be too prideful to learn from others. Yeah. I saw this quote on TikTok or it wasn't really a quote, but somebody posted this. Oh my God. Did I just say TikTok? I meant LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> you got TikTok too. You got TikTok too in your mind. I know. I know. Um, I saw this on LinkedIn and it really stuck with me since I saw it and I posted it on TikTok and the post read when you commit to a job in marketing or the creative industry, whatever it may be, but this specific example is marketing. Um, you commit to lifelong learning and you commit to being a student all the time. And I think that's so true. Like I feel like you could have one year of experience or 40 years of experience and you're always, always learning. And I think that if you cannot accept that, then you're going to have a really, really hard time in this industry. If you think like the, because you've done these big numbers or worked with this big client or had this viral social media video that it's like you're big time now and you know it all and you have nothing else to learn because that's just not true and the people that succeed and the people that connect with other people and continue to grow and grow it's because that they've committed to lifelong learning and they're always learning oh yeah such so, a key concept that, that should be a tiktok reel right there you need to take that <laughs> clip out you're famous yeah, the guru yeah, alex the guru Join her course. Join her <laughs> coaching program. No course. It's only it's only a million dollars a year. Yeah. That's and it. she'll teach you how to make 10 million, I think, right? Or was it 20 oh, yeah. million? I think it was 30. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I undercut you. My bad. I'm so sorry. It's okay. 
Um, <laughs> so I guess I will end with this, my question for you on this kind of similar topic. Um, when it comes to social media, because that's, I think, a lot of people that listen to this will be coming from social media. Um, how do you think that overall creatives can improve with showing more of like a human side on social media oh you're hitting me with a really deep question at the very end (laughs) gosh okay like what would you want to see from someone more that you feel like there's just a lack of like on a are we talking like brand social or like personal social um i would say probably like personal branding because like for me for example I think that we could do more realistic, um, okay. Okay. accurate yeah. representations okay. of our days. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Perfect. You gave me. You gave me everything I need. Okay. We'll go on a rant <laughs> quick. Just kidding. No, I really think, as as much as we really want to make ourselves look great, and I I don't think there's, it's smart to like talk about how terrible. Like me to go on TikTok and be like, I am a terrible time manager. That's it. Like I think there's something to be said about you know managing that. But I, I, I have to agree because we've, ha- we've been on this concept for so long, me and you, that I think we have to be extremely transparent about everything that we do and we have to stop faking it till we make it. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's such a big thing, but I think people are reading through. Am I allowed to cuss on this podcast or is this yeah. like a no cussing podcast? Okay, no, great. I do it all the time. <laughs> great. I didn't know. I didn't want to say bullshit and then be like, oh my gosh, I said bullshit. But no. there is so much bullshit on all these platforms and it really turns people off to you actually, because if I start seeing people post like, here's how I made a hundred, like, this is a common one that I've actually seen recently. <clears throat> here's how I made ten, six figures for my agency within six months. Like, I think it's doable. I don't think it's impossible, but I think we're like over hyping how easy what we do is. And it's actually devaluing our time and like our value. Because we if you think about it, about this. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's why it's so fresh on my mind. If if you think about it, if you're making it seem like it is so easy to make six figures when the average American salary is $50,000 a year, average income, household income is like fifty or $60,000 a year. If you're claiming that it is so easy within your first year to make $100,000, which again, I'm not saying you can't, I'm not saying it's it's hard, like everyone has different situations. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not. But if you think if you make it seem like it's so easy and everyone can everyone else can do it, well, what's the value that you provide? If everyone can do it, what is your specific value? Like some people, it's I made a hundred thousand because I got venture capital for five hundred thousand and I'm paying myself a hundred thousand dollar salary. In some people, it looks like I worked my ass off for two years to get to the point where I make a hundred thousand. Like I was you know, working, I've worked 80 hours a week and I've like missed vacations. I've missed holidays. Like the only holidays I'll celebrate is Christmas and Thanksgiving. Like there are so many people out there that I think there's two pieces of it. Now I'm going farther than I probably should. You're devaluing (laughs) yourself and you're also kind of hurting this, like the self-conscious of creatives. Like, obviously you can't be guarded. Like you can't always be worried about what other people are feeling. But I know like when I first started, it sounds like you were kind of the same way, Alex, like I felt like such a failure that I wasn't making a hundred thousand dollars and within my first six months, like I was maybe, I think I was maybe making like two grand a month 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, I literally was charging people like 250 to run their social media and to do consulting and to help them build a website. And like my hosting fees would, it would be for the for Squarespace would be like my first month that I would make for them. So I wouldn't even make money my first month. And I'm like spending all this time and I'm like, why can't I just charge $3,000 to each person and like make, you know, have four clients and make $144,000 a year minus costs. Like it's not that easy. And people are making it seem like, oh, all you need to do is have a good offer and you can charge $3,000 a month. Like yeah. it is hard to get a small business to pay that much money, especially when you're claiming that everyone else can do the same thing as you. Yeah. So I'm off my soapbox, but no, yeah. that's how I, I feel. Mean, that's like a whole other <laughs> conversation. I feel like we could have podcast round podcast. two, podcast yeah. round two. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I feel like we have like three separate other episodes we need to make but yeah I mean we were just talking about that and I think I agree like I was just saying how I and not that we're discrediting anybody because there are people that yeah they do make that amount of money and super quick time and that's great but I think it's great to also share like the actual journey of how you got there not like you're here's the exact steps that I did to do it it's no, how many sleepless nights did you have? How much were um, you balancing your time? Like, were you working 80 hours a week or were you working a standard 40? Like, what did that actually look like for you behind the scenes aside from just the steps you did? Because that shows people like, oh, like that's the other piece of the puzzle. Like that's the other side of the work that goes into it. It's not just like being on my computer and taking steps one through six. It's like you said, sacrificing your time. Like, are you willing to do that? It's understanding and accepting parts of yourself that maybe you weren't aware of. And now you have to overcome these hurdles in order to get to that number. So I guess for anybody out there that's newer creatives, or um, you've been in this for a while, or maybe you're just looking to change up your content, take down those walls. I feel like if anything, your content and your audience is going to respond better to you when they feel like you're being more honest. Because just because you're being honest doesn't mean you didn't make 10k in a month. Maybe you did make 10k in a month, but that doesn't like you can still be honest and say like, hey, guys, I made 10k this month, but I'm actually really tired because I worked like 80 hours a week. Yeah, you know, like that's not discrediting you. I think like family is a big thing too. Like that's been like we talked about with balance. Like I think we should provide more transparency to like, you know, like sometimes it's hard for my family to understand why I work so hard. Like even my parents, like they don't understand why I work so Mm -hmm. hard for what I do. And like everyone has different perceptions of like, well, I go to a job, I work 40 hours and like I make enough to provide for my family, like to live baseline. And some people that's great, but for me, it's different. And so I've seen like, sometimes it's really hard for my wife to understand why I have to go to a networking event at seven o'clock at night. And to her, it feels like, oh, you're just kind of hanging out. But to me, it's like, I'm building connections. So not only just like the actual piece of like, I'm working more, but then the family dynamics of like, how is your spouse feeling? How is your family feeling? Do your kids feel like you're around? Like, there are so many pieces to it that we're not talking about. We're just talking about how little we work and how much money we make, if we're being Mm -hmm. honest. Yeah. And I mean, it's the same thing 
for me where I will even like, so I just live with my boyfriend and I will tell him sometimes because I'll get, I'll get self-conscious because I'm sitting on the couch at seven o'clock at night on my phone. And I feel bad because even though I know that he knows what I do, he respects it. He's, he's fine. I still feel bad because I'm like, oh, like this is technically like after work hours, I feel like we should be like spending time together face to face. And like, I shouldn't be doing this. And I'll even communicate that to him and just say like, hey, just so you know, I'm not just like ignoring you, (laughs) which is fine if you're on your phone. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But I will say like, I'm working on something or I'm editing something. And I, I even try to have like a lot of open conversations with him, which he's under understanding now because he's very much like not really a social media guy and I will explain to him I'll explain to my parents and I even explain to my friends a lot like this creative industry is not a standard nine to five like sometimes there are things that happen really early in the morning or really late at night or on weekends and that's just that's just how it is and like like you said, yeah, maybe you have something to go to at seven o'clock, but like those are good connections for you to build and that's going to grow your business. And if you don't go to that, you might miss that. And it's like, yeah, that sucks. But then it's like, okay, if I'm going to this at seven, then maybe I can have lunch with my family instead. And I can adjust my schedule so that I'm still spending time with them and seeing them. And I think that's kind of the part that we're not, like you said, we're not talking about that. Like the last thing I say before we've probably gone too long is like there are so many moments that when I first started, like my wife Hadley would sit there and be like, why are you working for 250 bucks a month? Like, why are you doing this? Or why are you working an extra 40 hours on top of your 40 hour job to make like an extra thousand to three thousand dollars a month? But it's worth it in the long run. And like you said, like as creatives, we're so into our work. We love it. It gives us so much passion. Like we get energized by it. But sometimes people can't see that. And so it builds like a really weird family dynamic sometimes when you're like mm-hmm. going through this. And so it's really important for us to focus on like, how can we be supporting each other as creators? And let's like weed through all the bullshit and let's stop stop being fake. Like, yeah, let's let's be fully transparent. You make and you don't have to say like, I hate my life, but like I work a lot of hours, but I make a lot of money, but I also like, I'm trying to figure out how to balance family. Like that's, that's a conversation that could be happening on social media right now. Or, Hey, like I've built this business, but I woke up five years later and I don't feel like I have a family life. How do I get back into this? Or like, that's something I'm trying to figure out. Or like, there are so many pieces that I think we're leaving out of the equation that is just making new creators feel like they're unworthy. Mm -hmm. Cause it's so hard. Cause as a creative, you want everything to be perfect, including yourself, but it's like, we're human beings. We're not perfect and that's okay. And I feel like I kind of go through the same thing with my friends where it's like on Saturday and they're like, Oh, what are you doing this weekend? And I'm like, Oh, like I'm filming for a brand or I'm working on this or I'm doing this proposal. And it's kind of like, Oh, like I'm going to this concert or like I'm going to do this something fun. And it's like, I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now. So like, it doesn't really bother me per se, but sometimes I do think like, Oh, I wonder if they just like think like I'm just always working and I don't have a life but it's like I do have life I just balance it differently like I just do things at different times and I think it's just hard as creatives to like transfer that message to people that aren't doing it because it's hard to understand because it just can't kind of seems like you're working all the time which you are but you know all right we could ramble about this for a while but (laughs) we're done letting people so many people have probably dropped off after the first three minutes that you know (laughs) we might have like three people listen to this it's probably my it's probably my mom your mom and then like us (laughs) yeah
are still here. I appreciate you listening. Thank you, Caleb, for being my first guest on my podcast. And I, I'd like to I'd like to just thank my mom for <laughs> you know I I don't know if you've seen in my Instagram bio I or have. my TikTok bio, but she's I gotta say, she's been the one that inspired me because I have been named by my mom as the best marker there ever was. And so I just like I like I don't wanna brag, but I just like to thank my mom for, you know, just how much she's really inspired. Just kidding. No. Uh, Thank you for having me on your podcast. This is, this was such an honor to be your first podcast guest. I feel like, I feel like this has been so cool. It's so cool seeing your journey and like what you've been able to do in that. And even just in the past two, two months. Oh, thanks. Well, it's been great to just like connect and have a real human connection. That's not selling, selling me on something. And yeah, if you guys um want to connect with Caleb, how can they how can they connect with you after this? Join my course. Just kidding. Stop. No. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'm having too much fun with the course. Uh, the course. If I if I ever talk to you and I offer you a course, please slap me in the face. Um so you can go to my LinkedIn. It's just Caleb Roach and I have a really cool MBA after it. Um, I'm in this like really cool plant looking environment with a headshot. So if you want to connect with me, just find me on LinkedIn, shoot me a message and let's do a virtual coffee because I love doing virtual coffees and I won't sell you on the first virtual coffee. It'll be the second one. So as long as we do one, you'll be fine. (laughs) Well, I highly recommend you guys definitely connect with Caleb. Um, he's great. You can definitely learn a lot from him. Um, and if you want to connect with me, you probably know where to find me if you found this podcast. But if not, I'm on LinkedIn, TikTok. It's just my name, Alex Lazarchik. Um, and thank you guys so much for listening. I'm so excited to continue to do this. Thank you to Caleb again. And I will talk to everybody on the next episode. Deuces. Bye.